following talk is from St. Michael's Fowell, a gospel-centered community for Fowell, Teddington, and beyond. Our passion is to see every life following Jesus. For more information, visit our website, stmichaelsfowell.co.uk. We're going to turn to God's Word, and um, Ed... Uh, is going to be speaking uh, on uh, our next instalment in our little mini-series on security, finding security in God. And Ollie's going to come and read for us. If you'd like to turn to page 1135 to Romans chapter 8, verse 31. Page 1135, Romans eight thirty-one. Ollie, thanks so much. Perfect. Romans chapter 8, verses 31 to 39. What, then, shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who, then, is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died... More than that, who was raised to life is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither heights nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Good morning. Well, hope you're doing well. Um, do keep that open uh, with you. Um, we're going to be jumping around different parts of the Bible this morning, um, and there's a handout coming out which will have some of the references on them. Um, sometimes people like to jot down notes, so feel free to do that if you would like to. Brilliant. I'm going to lead us in prayer, ask for God's help, God's spirit to help us as we come uh, to his word. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are here with us right now by your Spirit. Thank you so much for the gift of your Word. And Lord, please might you bring your Word into our lives by your Spirit now. Might we know the life, the grace the security that is available in Jesus Christ and him alone. In his name we pray. Amen. So as Simon mentioned, we are um, in a sort of mini three-part series uh, called Secure. Uh, Last week we thought about uh, being secure in our humanity. Uh, This week we're thinking about being secure in our salvation. Next week, secure in our purpose. And it's all about really um, understanding ourselves. And in particular, we're wanting to think about that through the lens of insecurity, something I suspect we experience in our lives in one way or another 
in many different ways. And it can manifest itself in many different ways. Uh, For some, it leads to a feeling of being inadequate, Uh, maybe something of a fraud, Uh, lacking a sense of self-worth, doing ourselves down, Uh, being full of fear and anxiety. Perhaps that's the way in which you recognize in your own life insecurity manifesting itself. Uh, For others, insecurity can lead us to a, a different sort of stance. It can lead to a competitiveness, to a constant striving to prove oneself, to perhaps a critical spirit wanting to push other people down so we can lift ourselves up. Uh, Maybe it's the desire to overly impress particular people, uh, to please them. Uh, Sometimes insecurity wants to avoid attention, sometimes it demands it. Sometimes it's all of these things uh, combined going on in our lives. Why do we battle with insecurity? Why is insecurity a part of our lives? Well, we live in a fallen world. And in particular, we were seeing last week, actually, uh, insecurity at its heart comes from the fact that we have, by nature, rejected our God-given identity. Uh, The Bible tells us, as we saw last week, that our identity, our humanity, is given to us. God's breath breathed into us, given us life. And it tells us, the Bible, that this humanity God has given us is a glorious one. Uh, Humanity is the pinnacle of creation, made to rule God's world and to uniquely relate to this world and to one another and to God himself. We were thinking last week about the tremendous dignity and value and worth that gives to every single human being. And yet, by nature, rather than accepting this identity. We've chosen to create our own. And we've made a bit of a mess of it. So whilst much of the glory remains, we are more, we're thinking of this phrase, glorious ruins. And this has had all sorts of consequences, not least for our search for security. We look for security in all sorts of different places, don't we? We uh, perhaps look for success at work, for achievements. Maybe it's in a good social media profile. Maybe it's having a beautiful home. Maybe it's in our family, our parents, our children, our spouse. Maybe we seek security in our appearance, in how we look, in what we wear. Maybe it's in... Our bank account, maybe it's in our education or our skills. Maybe it's belonging to the right group at school. The trouble is, none of them quite deliver. Uh, Just think about success. Just think of one of them. Uh, What does success do for us? I came across this picture um, uh, not so long ago. This is a picture on the top of Everest. And uh, those people you can just about make uh, make out there, those are... I mean, it looks well over 100 people queuing to get to the top of Everest. That's quite a sight, isn't it? Uh, It's a bit of a metaphor, perhaps, for life. You know, you can climb Everest. You can climb right to the top. 
You can be most successful and then you still have to end up in a great big queue. And there are other people who got there ahead of you. And uh, you're not quite so unique. And perhaps that is a bit of a metaphor for how, you know, rising to the top, it doesn't necessarily bring us the security that we hope it will do. I was struck by something uh, J-Lo, Jennifer Lopez, uh, said. One of the most successful, biggest uh, singers in the world. She said this, the biggest insecurity I had was my singing. Even though I'd sold 70 million records, there was this feeling like, I'm not good at this. Incredibly successful singer, and yet still a sense of insecurity. So success, it doesn't necessarily bring us the security that we long for. And actually, we can look at any of those different areas we seek for security and see, ultimately, they can't give us the security we need. Money comes and goes. Looks fade. Our friends can be wonderful, such a blessing of friendship, but they can't give us the security uh, we long for. Not even family. They can't carry the weight of our need for security. So what, what do we do with it? What do we do with our insecurity? Well, I want to suggest we don't... What the first thing to do is not to deny it. Not to deny our insecurity. Uh, even worse than feeling insecure is having a false sense of security. I don't know if you came across this uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, here's a picture of um, an old naval shell uh, from about 100 years or so ago. It was in the garden of Sean and Geoffrey Edwards of Milford Haven. And they had this old uh, naval shell in their garden for a long, long time. Uh, they thought little of it. Uh, Mrs. Edwards was quoted in the newspaper as saying she used to bang it with her trowel to remove earth after gardening. And then one day a police officer wandering along saw this in their front garden and uh, said, you know what, that is actually incredibly dangerous. And uh, the first thing I'm going to do when I get home is to call the bomb squad, uh, which he did. And the bomb disposal unit came along and uh, removed this old naval shell and had to blow it up because it still had the potential uh, to detonate. It was still live. Uh, the couple said it was like the passing of an old friend. <laughs> an old friend that might have killed them. Uh, a full sense of security, that is not a good thing. That is not the answer. And so, actually, strangely, in some ways, feeling insecure is not a necessarily a bad thing to, to know, to acknowledge. Uh, the Bible says that given our human condition, actually, it is far from secure. Uh, we're, we're, in a sense, right to feel insecure. And that's because we've become untethered to our maker. We're, in many ways, uh, wanderers without a home. The unease we might feel inside, the anxiety, the sense of dislocation, our insecurity is a red flag. It is a signal, an alarm to say we need to find security from somewhere. Uh, I referenced it briefly last week, Psalm 40. 
And I love Psalm 40 because it, it gives us a wonderfully vivid picture of this experience of insecurity. Uh, you'll see it there on the screen. Uh, it speaks of our lives as being a bit like being in a slimy pit in mud and mire. But the psalmist goes on to say that God, when he saves us, what does he do? He takes us from this slimy pit. He takes us out of the mud and the mire. And he puts us on a rock and gives us a firm place to stand. And that is God's salvation. That is the salvation that God gives us in Jesus Christ. It is like putting our feet on rock, on firm ground. It is the one place where we can find the security that we deeply long for and need. And so in many ways, let's use our insecurity, our sense of insecurity, to drive us to God, who is our rock. And I want to do that with the rest of our time together now. I want to encourage us, if we're a Christian here this morning, I want us to see the unsurpassed security that there is in Jesus Christ. And to come to him in our insecurity and to know afresh the rock, the firm ground that lies beneath our feet. And if you're here and you're not yet a Christian, you're so, so welcome here amongst us. And what I'd love to do is to persuade you that there is no other place, no better place to go to find what you're longing for. And we're going to think this through using uh, three headings, uh, very similar to headings to the headings we used last week, uh, but with a slight difference at the end. Uh, we're going to think about the salvation that Jesus offers as a salvation that is given, that is glorious, and that is secure. So our salvation, it is given. It is given. Our salvation, in other words, is not something that is self-made. Again, we, we thought about last week how we live in a time and a place in 21st century Western culture that is full of what we called expressive individualism. And the idea of expressive individualism is that it's all about being true to yourself. Uh, that is where identity is found, being authentic to what is inside you, to your inner desires. Uh, that is how we find our identity. That is how we make a name for ourselves. I was struck when I read uh, a letter from a head teacher uh, not so long ago um, who expressed it brilliantly, uh, speaking to the leavers, the people who are heading out into the big wide world. And the head teacher wrote this. Uh, they wrote, greatness and limitless potential lies within you. Uh, and they encouraged the leavers uh, as they head into this big wide world to believe in yourself. That was the, the last words of the letter. Believe in yourself. And that's a great articulation of expressive individualism. Uh, believe in yourself. You can be who you want to be. 
And I think it would be naive not to think that living in these cultural waters as we do, that that in some ways those ideas don't actually have a bit of a shape upon the way we can think as Christians about salvation. That somehow our salvation, just as our humanity can be self-made, our salvation can be self-made too. So we might be thinking, look, well, the more I pray, the more I read my Bible, the more secure I can be in my salvation, the more certain my salvation is. Just the more good things I do, the more I serve, the more secure my salvation is. The less I mess up, the more secure my salvation is. And we can get into this sort of way of thinking. But the trouble is, that just leads to huge spiritual insecurity. It puts huge pressure on us. It's exhausting to perform again and again and again. Just ask Jurgen Klopp, uh, the manager of Liverpool, who resigned uh, this week or said he was going to resign at the end of the season because he's saying it's exhausting performing again and again and again and again. And that's true for life, isn't it? That's true for spiritual life. If we've got to perform again and again and again. It's just exhausting. But the wonderful truth is that the gospel is not something that we have to work towards. It is something that is given to us. Salvation is given to us. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2 is a really helpful place to go. And I wonder if actually you might turn to it. Uh, Ephesians uh, chapter 2. I'll give you a page number in just a second. Uh, Page 1173. Page 1173. And this is a great place to go because it begins Ephesians chapter 2. So page 1173. By saying, this is is the situation we find ourselves in. Uh, By nature. We read this, chapter 2, verse 1. As for you... You were dead in your transgressions and sins. Dead in your transgressions and sins. Now that is definitive, isn't it? Uh, For all the good, the potential within us, we're also full of sin, uh, the Bible tells us. And this sin, we're told, leaves us dead. We're dead. And dead people cannot bring themselves back to life. But God can, and he does. Uh, Verse 4, if you move on to verse 4, this is what we read about what is true for a Christian. We read this. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And then jump on to verse 8. Just to underline this point, the Apostle Paul writes this, For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith, and this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. The message there is loud and clear, isn't it? 
the new life we have as Christians, the salvation we have, being rescued from our sin, being rescued from death to life, it is a gift. It is a gift. Just as God breathed life into Adam back in Genesis 2 to make humanity, so too to make the new humanity, to, to make his church. What has God done? He's breathed by a spirit new life into us. We are born again. If you're a Christian, that is true. That, that phrase is true. We are born again. And it's a pure act of grace, a pure gift for us, received simply through faith. So as Christians, we, we cannot work up our salvation. But we can receive the gift of God. Uh, C.S. Lewis uh, puts it in brilliantly well in mere Christianity. He says this, fallen man, a fallen mankind is not simply an imperfect creature who needs improvement. That's probably what the spirit of our age would say. Uh, we're imperfect, yeah, but we can improve ourselves. Uh, be the people we want to be. Uh, C.S. Lewis says this, we can't simply uh, do it through improvement. Rather, we need to recognize we're a rebel or in this week's phrase, we could say we're actually traitors. We're traitors, if you like that TV program. Uh, we are rebels who must lay down their arms. We lay down our arms and we receive the gift that God gives us, our salvation. So our salvation is given. It's not self-made. Second, our salvation is also glorious. Our salvation is also glorious. Uh, Here's a quote. Here's a quote. I wonder if you could work out who might have said uh, this. Uh, The fullness of our humanity can be expressed only when we are true to ourselves. Anything less is a fate life. To be authentic is the highest form of praise. You're fulfilling your mission and purpose on earth when you honor the real you. It's a striking phrase. Um, and you might look at that and think, ah, oh, there's some, have some truth in that. This phrase is from Oprah Winfrey. And um, in many ways, again, it expresses brilliantly expressive individualism. Um, And also the desire within us for the real me, the real uh, you. But again, the trouble is, this is not something that we can sort of work up. Who is the real you? Who is the real me? What is so glorious about the gospel? What is so glorious, if you're a Christian, is that the real you, the real me, is given to us, as we've just been thinking about And it is a glorious gift. Oprah's right in that there is something wonderful about being able to be the real you, the real me. But that is only found through Jesus Christ. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5 puts it like this. This is what's true for you if you're a Christian. We read this. Therefore, if anyone 
is in Christ. The new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. Uh, that quote is on your handout. And it's an amazing truth because it says if we become a Christian, the new you has been given to you and it is a glorious thing. The old has gone. The new has come. Left to ourselves, yes, we're glorious ruins. But in Christ, the ruins are restored. And to see that, we need to look to Jesus Christ. The risen Jesus Christ. In all his glory, the resurrected Christ gives us a glimpse of what will be true for us in the new creation. And it is a glorious thing. And we're not perfect now. Uh, we're working in, God is working in us, sanctifying us. We'll think a little bit more about that next week. But a fundamental change has happened. The old has gone, the new has come. And it is glorious. Uh, Matt Fuller, in his excellent book, Be True to Yourself, highly recommend it, as I did last week, uh, says this. This is what's happened. This is what's true for you if you're a Christian. The Bible is clear that we're not naturally lovely. But we are given beauty. We're not naturally righteous, but we are given righteousness. We're not naturally clean. But when we are washed clean by the blood of Jesus, then we are perfect in God's sight. We are not naturally special inside, but we become God's special people. When we come to Christ, we are given a new beauty, the new us. We are given a righteousness. We are washed clean. And it is glorious. Our salvation is given, not self-made. Our salvation is glorious. It is the way we become truly ourselves. And then finally, our salvation is utterly secure. Uh, this is where um, having a finger in the book of Romans will be really uh, helpful. Uh, Romans is a wonderful book for, for describing, particularly the first eight chapters, the salvation that has been given to us in Jesus Christ. And if you just turn to page 1132, Romans chapter 5, page 1132, you'll see a number of things that Romans tells us about what is true for the Christian. And the first thing to say is that uh, we're loved you are loved by God. Uh, sometimes we, we sort of think, um, I can either be known or I can be loved. Isn't that often how we think about uh, how we relate to other people? Or put it a different way, if people really knew me for who I really was, they wouldn't really like me. They wouldn't really love me. That could be a source of much insecurity in our lives. And one of the glorious truths about the gospel is that God knows us. He knows you. He knows everything about you. He knows stuff about you that you haven't even shared with anybody else. And yet he still loves you. He still loves you. Uh, see how Romans chapter 5 uh, puts it. Uh, verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
It's an amazing truth. Whilst we were still sinners, whilst we were still God's enemies, God loved us so much that he died for us. Christ died for us, knowing us for who we really are, and yet he still loves us uh, so much that he was willing to do that for us. It is a wonderful, beautiful truth. And it's in such contrast to the world around us. Uh, the world around us will so often um, be the sort of the law of the jungle. Uh, we try and outdo each other in our insecurity. Uh, perhaps the strong survive and the weak die. That can be so true in the school playground. It can be true in workplaces. It can be true in so many areas of life. But Christ's love is very different. Uh, I love the way Glenn Scrivener puts it. Here's, here's a quote from Glenn Scrivener. He says this, If natural selection means the survival of the fittest and the sacrifice of the weakest, Christianity is all about the sacrifice of the fittest, Jesus Christ, for the survival of the weakest, us. Jesus Christ loves us. He died for us in our weakness knowing us for who we really are. Uh, that is a wonderful source of security. Uh, Romans goes on to show that we are also not just loved by Christ, but uh, through his death we are united to Christ. We are in Christ, and we could say so much about this, I'm going to not say very much about this. But it's incredibly important, because by faith, if you're a Christian, you are united, you're, you're sort of made part of the same body, as Jesus Christ. We are completely tethered to him. What is true for him is true for us. Romans 6 verse 5 puts it like this. If we have been united with him in, in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. That is a wonderful source of security, isn't it? To be united with Christ. Romans goes on over the page to say uh, that we've been adopted into God's family, that we are sons and daughters of the living God. And what a wonderful sense of security that is as well, isn't it? To be in a family with a loving Heavenly Father. Uh, we see that in verse uh, 15 of Romans chapter 8. The Spirit who received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. And the reason for going through Romans like this, and you know, if you want to read through the first eight chapters of Romans, go for it, because it all lands with that amazing passage that Ollie read a little bit earlier. That is the climax of uh, the first eight chapters. And these first eight chapters, they talk about all that is true for us in Christ. That we are loved. That we are united in Christ. That we are adopted into God's family. And what does this all mean? Well, as we conclude, we'll read again these verses at the end of Romans chapter 8. It means that there is nothing, there is absolutely nothing that could separate us from God's love. And nothing in human experience, nothing in the spiritual realm, nothing in time or space. 
absolutely nothing. Let me read uh, these words for us again from Romans chapter 8 and just allow them to sink in. If you're a Christian, this this is true for you. And this is your source of security. So Romans chapter 8, verse 31. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it's written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing, nothing can separate us from God. And we're just going to spend a bit of time uh, dwelling on that a little bit more. We're going to close by singing a couple more uh, songs together. So I wonder if the bands might come up. And uh, as the band are coming up, can I just commend two things uh, to you? One is uh, the coffee time question on the bottom of this handout, something you might like to chat about uh, afterwards with somebody. Uh, What aspect of the security that Christ brings are you most thankful for? What have we been thinking about? Uh, from God's word. What, what are you most thankful for? Uh, for the security that it brings. I'd love to also commend our book of the term. Uh, Stay Salt by Rebecca Manley Pippert. Uh, there's some copies on the back and you can pay for it through the bulletin. Uh, if you don't get the bulletin, uh, come speak to me and I can get you signed up for that. And this book's fantastic. It's a book uh, all about actually our witness and our evangelism. But the middle section is fantastic for really landing. Uh, how the gospel brings us uh, security. Uh, So highly commend that uh, to us. Uh, But for now, uh, why don't we stand together um, and we're going to sing. And before that, I'm going to lead us in prayer. And uh, just take this time to really allow these truths. These can be very, very familiar truths. But it takes a bit of time for them to go from our head into our hearts. And uh, music is a brilliant way of doing that. Uh, So let's just take a moment. The prayer team, by the way, will be available as well. So if you want to pray with somebody, uh, please feel free to do that, either as we sing or after the service. Uh, But let's just take a moment of quiet. I'll lead us in prayer. Then we're going to sing together. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God 
that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Father, thank you for this glorious truth that in Jesus Christ we are utterly secure, that there is nothing that can separate us from your love. Nothing in our human experience, nothing even in the spiritual realm, nothing in the present nor the future, nothing in time or space. Lord, thank you so much for your love for us whilst we were your enemies. Thank you so much that your salvation is a gift to us. We don't have to remake ourselves, but you remake us in your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, thank you so much that we have a glorious future to look forward to. And Lord, please help these truths to shape us, to, as it were, help us see that we have been lifted out of the slimy pit and that our feet are on solid ground. And so might we know the security that comes from knowing you. And for any here who don't yet know Jesus as their Lord and their Saviour, Lord, I pray that you might help us to see you for who you are, for the good news that you are. That in our insecurity, we might uh, use that and feel that as a way of uh, raising the flag, of signaling, of bringing an alarm, knowing that we need to find a secure place. And may we know that that secure place is Jesus Christ. So we come to him now as we sing of him and all that he's done for us. In his name we pray. Amen.